Good. There that helps. Introduce yourself. So I'm Scott Reichenbach. This is Steve Noblet. Um, I would let Steve drive it first. He'll talk about the domestic side of things. I'll talk about the international side of things. I brought some friends to share some of their experiences. And hopefully at the end we'll have some time to answer questions. So if we don't answer your question, answer something through the presentation, we'll hopefully get to it at the end. Yep. I want us to pray. Can we do that? Yes. Father, we just come before you this morning, Lord, just to lay our lives down before you yet again, God, and just to say that it is our joy and our ambition to just be your servants. And we are grateful. We're grateful, Lord, for you to have adopted us into your family and for you to have brought us into the family business, God, of, uh, of seeing your kingdom advanced across the nations, Lord, and in our own. And, um, and so we ask, Lord Jesus, for you to send your Holy Spirit afresh in us today, God. Um, Lord, to, uh, Father, to give us the, the things that we need, Lord, to begin to seek you for your direction, your journey for us, Lord. We ask, God, that, uh, uh, that questions, uh, that you would provoke questions in us, God, and that you would, uh, Lord, help just bring us the answers as we seek your will, Lord. We just commit this time to you now, and we ask, Lord, that your word would resound and everything else, Lord, would fade away in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, I am Steve Noblet, and I am the... Um, so, so Scott and I get volunteered to do this, I guess, every year now. For Yeah. So, so anyway, we get volunteered to do this because uh, we sort of represent, have been, the, you know, over the, our years of involvement with uh, GMHC come to represent sort of the what GMHC folks tend to think of as the twin focus of GMHC which is international and domestic right so I always like to say up front that the only people that think about domestic and international missions are Americans because somehow or another we think that God lives in America and he thinks that this is domestic to him, right? Like, God does not think about domestic missions and international missions. God thinks as one global mission. And so uh, my expertise and emphasis is on, um, on developing a strategy to reach the United States of America as one of the nations on God's global mission. And Scott represents everything else. He can have the whole rest of the world, Okay. So, uh, so we're going we're gonna to sort of split this up, and we're going to keep, I think we're going to try to keep our presentation parts very, very quick and brief so that we can uh, spend more time really doing Q&A and, and where you guys can ask us some specific questions, okay? So um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't at least try to make a, a quick case why you should think about what's happening in America as medical mission as well. Like five reasons that you should be engaged in medical missions in the United States. Number one is America's part of God's global plan. Acts 1.8 tells us that, um, that you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. And the key word maybe in that is and, not or or then, 
like and like the Holy Spirit that beats in you for Afghanistan is the same Holy Spirit that beats in your heart, in your heart for um, is that intentional? Is that helping you guys? If not, I'd rather have the lights on because we're going to spend most of our time in Q and A. If that's all right, all right. But the same Holy Spirit that that beats for Afghanistan is also beating for some of the neighborhoods and the communities where you live. Um, God's placed you here. You know, Acts 17, uh, 26 through 27 says, "From one man, God made all men." <laughs> Lord, let your light shine. So, uh, and there it is. Yeah. Yeah. So Acts Acts 17 says. <laughs> That's all right. It says, From one man God made all races of men, and he determined the times and places where each one should live. So you live, you were born in a time, you were born in a place with a purpose, and that purpose, it says, so that men might seek him and reach out for him and find him, for he's not far from any of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. So you were born in this country... uh, Speaking the trade language, not needing a visa, and the purpose of your being here is in part so that you can spread the word of God here and so that men would uh, seek the Lord. And then there's a gigantic need, both spiritually and medically, in the United States. Uh, The United States is becoming, very quickly, a massive unreached people group. There's uh, There's a statistic that says now that the United States now is number three in terms of the number of people who identify themselves as non-Christians behind China and India. The third country is the United States of America in terms of the numbers of people that do that. And there's no better preparation for you to do foreign missions than to do some things domestically. So um, so here's some opportunities, number of opportunities for, um, for students. Uh, so I, I want to start... Um, not with clinical rotations, but with things for maybe undergrads or even for M1s or M2s that haven't started their rotations yet or some of the um, allied health opportunities. So there's summer internships from a number of different Christian organizations around the country. And these are all of these are, or almost all of these are, are Christian clinics that are doing gospel-driven, distinctively Christian health care in underserved, under-resourced communities where the harvest is ripe and the need is great. And, um, and so summer internships would include um, one in Lawndale in Chicago. A little, and I'm going to tell you just a brief synopsis of each one of these. So Lawndale is the largest Christian clinic in the United States. It's on the west side of Chicago. Um, they run a, uh, it's a four and a half or five week program. There's a small expense to it, but it covers room and board. Uh, you would actually join a small cohort of about uh, 15 to 20 uh, other people. It's a, they, they always try to make it very diverse in terms of discipline, in terms of economic, socioeconomic background, and, and even in terms of a sense of calling, but all very Christian. Um, they have some phenomenal people that will teach in that. Uh, it's very discipleship uh, focused, but very hands-on. You would live with um, 
providers that are actually doing this work and that have moved into the communities that they're where they're serving. Uh, you, you live with them for that for that period of time. Um, you spend so many hours a week shadowing doctors. You also uh, do a lot of work uh, doing home visits with uh, some of their um, community health workers. Some of those community health workers are actually. Um, uh, doctors and nurse practitioners. Some of them are social workers, uh, and some of them are are spiritual care providers that are doing follow up work uh, in their in their neighborhoods. Uh, at the cohort at the end of the of that time um, is responsible for sort of a big outreach event that they that they put on, and uh, it's a it's a very good program. Um, virtually everybody that goes through that program, whether they're medical students already or whether they're uh, uh, pre-med. Uh, they even usually include a couple of high school graduates that haven't started uh, undergrad yet uh, in that, but almost virtually everybody ends up going into missions work from that. Yeah? I just want to say I went on that I was part of the internship and I loved it. Do what? I, I went on that it was so uh, two thumbs up from this person here. Very great. That's that's awesome. What, what year did you do that? Um, it was between uh, it was 2013. Yeah. If they would let me do it, I would do it just to sit under Dr. Wayne Detmer, you know, because the guy's the smartest guy I've ever met, and uh, and he's he loves Jesus and he's incredibly humble and he gets all this stuff. Uh, CCHS uh, is uh, Christian Community Health Services in Augusta, Georgia, and they've uh, started a summer program. Again, they have a guest house where you live in the hood in um, in Augusta, so it's a cultural immersion thing. Has anybody done that one? From anybody gone to Augusta? No. So uh, I think I think this is their third summer doing it. Um, I'm particularly excited about it because they've just purchased a guest house and they've set it up and. Uh, and it's uh, it's next door or right directly behind actually um, Dr. Donald Dickert and his wife Sarah. Sarah works for me. Donald is a new physician there, but he trained in Memphis, and I got to know them really well. And they're just phenomenal people in terms of making community uh, connections. Uh, that program, they do take uh, pre-med students uh, that are at least. Um, through their junior year, okay? So you, you need to be kind of far along in your pre-med program. Uh, and they also take uh, uh, medical students in, that are typically M1s, uh, and they'll do nursing and allied health uh, students for that. Um, it's, it is a sort of a combination of Lawndale's program and the summer missions uh, the Summer Medical Institute, like they have in, in Philadelphia, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. So it's part discipleship and shadowing doctors and that kind of thing, and part getting around and doing uh, community health work in the, in the community. Um, the Resurrection Residency Program in Memphis, uh, they, they typically take, um, they really want you to have taken the MCAT, to, to do their program, uh, their, their summer program. It's, a, again, a five-week program. They also have a, a full year-out gap year internship uh, that they offer. And uh, it is 
heavily weighted on clinical experiences. Uh, you also live in the hood. These are all cultural immersion pro, uh, programs here. Um, they require that you be that you be part of their house church. Uh, stuff that they do there, and, and in large part because what they're, they're, the focus of that residency program is to prepare people to go to the hardest places on earth, and they, they do house churches in Memphis in part because it's been very effective at reaching the communities they're in, and in part because they want to teach you church planting as part of your medical career, and, uh, uh, and to do this very same thing when you go overseas. It's a really strong program, very strong medically. Um, they are all of these I'd say Lawndale not as much but Christ Community, Resurrection and Butterfield will all push pretty heavily towards primary care and and just giving you a picture of primary care Lawndale I think is a little bit more open to some of the other specialties and things like that and then the Butterfield Foundation in Oklahoma City is a conversion foundation so that's that's, that's a, a group of people that steward a gigantic pot of money that they got when a faith-based hospital sold at, to a for-profit corporation. And the profits from that they use in a conversion foundation uh, to continue to promote the mission that the hospital was originally funded and uh, as, a, as a non-profit for. So Butterfield is a Christian group a distinctively Christian group that has focused on providing charitable care in the greater Oklahoma City area. And so uh, it's a small program. Uh, I think they typically only have four people. It's a two-month program. It's also involved with uh, InMed. You guys know InMed? Yeah? In Kansas City. So so the guys from InMed have put, helped put together a curriculum that teaches about... Uh, Again, teaches cross-cultural and poverty medicine. Uh, there's a real emphasis from InMed on um, on making ties between your experiences in Oklahoma City and international missions. Um, and I'm and I think I'm pretty sure that Butterfield funds this. So I mean, there's not very many people that they accept, but. They really focus on folks who have some kind of tie to the state of Oklahoma. So if you go to med school in Oklahoma, if you have relatives that live in Oklahoma, if you are from Oklahoma, Butterfield might, might be a really good program for you. And then summer missions experiences, uh, there's two that I think are really uh, of note. Really all of these up here, that these summer internships are very missional. These are really more mission experiences. One of them is Salome in Nashville, and it's a community immersion um, experience. And, again, some just really wonderful people and brilliant people to be around. Um, all of them are Vandy grads, and they're real into the Vanderbilt uh, sort of culture and all that kind of thing, except what they've done is they've really... Uh, they started a clinic there that sees about 25,000 patient visits a year, which is a pretty good-sized clinic, and the vast majority of their work is among uh, refugees. And so Nashville is, a, is sort of the port of entry for the whole state of Tennessee, and Salome has a contract with the state of Tennessee to provide 
uh, entrance exams for every refugee that comes to the state of Tennessee. And so they they use that as a doorway into the and, uh, to build relationships into all these different people groups. They have a huge Kurdish population in Nashville. They have a, a fairly significant uh, Sudanese population and Somali population in Nashville. Uh, and so the majority of their patients, um, they have a lot of patients that are from Islamic backgrounds. You do a lot of sort of uh, cultural immersion into kind of what it's like to be a refugee in, in that uh you know, when they come to America here, but it's a lot of interface with the, with those folks. It's very, very teaching-oriented. That one, that particular um, summer missions uh, experience, There's a, um, they have really strong teachers that, are, um, that have developed sort of a theology of what they call poverty medicine. I don't really like that term very much, uh, but it's health care directed for the poor. It's really good stuff, uh, and then they have this. They have a clinic where you do a lot of clinical work with their folks there. So you spend a lot of time in exam rooms. They um, they also have a year out program that they that they call a fellowship, but it's not really a fellowship. But it's it's basically a gap year program, uh, usually something that's done in residency or post residency. And so you get a lot of interface with those folks as well. Um, they take folks who are, they'll take pre-med graduates and M1s and M2s in, this, in their summer program there. And then Esperanza and, um, and Medical Campus Outreach in Philadelphia has a Summer Medical Institute, which may be, how many of y'all have ever heard of the Summer Medical Institute? So it's, it's a pretty well-known program. It's maybe the, the largest and the oldest program of its kind in the country. Uh, again, it's a cultural, it's a, it's a community immersion program. Esperanza is a Christian health center in North Philadelphia. Their population that they serve is almost entirely Puerto Rican. So it's really helpful if you speak Spanish, but you don't have to because you'll be paired with somebody that is fluent in Spanish. Um, there's a little bit of teaching. They have they have classes, uh, sort of like grand rounds every morning in a way. But uh, they take um, they take nursing students, they take PT students, they take PA students, medical students, they take residents, they even take uh, undergrad students in this program. This the cohorts usually about somewhere between. Has anybody ever done SMI here? So the cohort is somewhere around 25 to 35 people. Um, you live together uh, in small groups with providers who have moved into North Philadelphia and live in the community. You do a lot of door-to-door work, a lot of immunizations, a lot of blood pressure checks, and you get into some wonderful opportunities to share the gospel and pray with neighbors. And just, it's a very powerful life-changing experience if you can if you can get into that um, other opportunities that that I think are really important is just just work at a Christian clinic offer specialty clinics in-house volunteer at a good Christian clinic there's there's about 300 Christian clinics around the country that are uh, that are open mostly full-time to and provide distinctively Christian care 
Um, and there's all kinds of opportunities. If you if you have if like if, if you can't get in one of these other programs, or if you're in a, a place where they don't have a program, and you are interested in maybe just shadowing a doctor for a little bit in the summer, or or uh, volunteering at some place, if you'll contact CCHF or go to our website, you'll be able to. Um, kind of get an idea of what's available, and we'll be glad to hook you up. This is a very rough and inaccurate map. It just shows that there's about 300 places around. If you live in Wyoming, you've got to go somewhere else to find Christian opportunities, um, or unfortunately, most other places in the, in the out west. But if you're in the, if you're in the east or the southeast, there's probably something, in, at least in your state, if not in your city. Um, said this already. So this is a picture of cchf.org. If you go to our website, there's a map. This is accurate because it's a Google map map. And, um, and so you can, you can go through here. Services provided. One of, the, one of the options if you do this drop-down mirror uh, window is preceptorship opportunities. And, it'll, and you can sort of uh, screen out to see only the clinics that offer clinical rotation. So there's about 70 or 75 larger Christian clinics that are very well established that, uh, you know, where medical students and PA students and even nurse practitioner students, advanced nursing students can go and do like legit clinical rotations, three, four week rotations for primary care, for community health some cases for rural medicine. Um, some of these are like Lawndale are very large or some of the ones in Memphis and Philadelphia, uh, New York City. Buffalo, New York has got a, an amazing uh, federally, federally qualified health center that's distinctively Christian. They do, they do a tremendous amount of work with refugee pro, uh, refugees there. Um, all of these will teach you more than medicine. They'll teach you how to integrate faith in medicine. They'll teach you how to they'll teach you cultural competency, which I guess is really what all of what we're going to be talking about today is about. So um, anyway, that's I'm going to turn it over to Scott and then we'll take questions. How's that? The last time we did this I had the PowerPoint and Steve went without and so I let him go with the PowerPoint, and I'll go with that. But, uh, a lot of opportunities, as you can see. And one of the great things about the domestic opportunities is the cost. That You saw the ones in your state, so you don't have to go very far. Um, a great opportunity in medical school or pre-med to, to learn that cross-cultural piece and how to minister in that setting here at home without a lot of the cost of the international opportunities. But I will say there's a host of international opportunities for you guys. And one thing I've heard Dave Stevens say a lot, is, well, I've heard him say several times, is you, know, you can't move a parked car. And so as you're looking to go, you, you have to start moving. And you're here at this conference, a lot of, you've been to the booth, there's a host of opportunities. And Years ago, I was in your seat here looking for opportunities. And where do you go? What do you do? How do you make that decision? 
And so the first place, I didn't have, uh, well, I guess the Internet might have been around, but it wasn't very robust like it is today. But I talked to my pastor, you know, talk to your churches about where do you go to church, what organizations does your church work with, and start there as you look at opportunities. Um, you'll align theologically. Uh, uh, it, it would probably be a little better fit than randomly calling. But So I talked to my pastors at my church, and then I just started calling organizations and just started putting my foot on that gas pedal a little bit to see where God would take me. And one Tuesday I called Samaritan's Purse, and they said, well, actually, we think there's a cholera outbreak in Honduras. Can you be in Honduras on Saturday? So obviously... Uh, God wanted me in Honduras because I was available, and by Saturday I was in Honduras. And, you know, I relate that story for a couple reasons. And one is just to say, start calling and seeking out opportunities. Just as God can open doors, He can also close doors. I had called for a long time, and He closed the door. And when it was ready, and He was ready for me to go and serve, um, the door opened, and the other reason to share that story is be willing to go. I was a pediatric ICU nurse. I knew nothing about cholera. And I had never been to Honduras. And so what in the world was I going to do in Honduras? And so the other point in that is just be open to what God wants you to do. You have this idea in your mind of how you want to be used. But and the reality is, when I got to Honduras, there was no cholera. It was just general, you know, village diarrhea kind of thing. But I learned so much more than than cholera. It wasn't there to do medicine. Um, you know, learned about latrines, public health kind of thing, the, the importance of the community and working with the community. And so as you look at these opportunities in your training, uh, think Think much broad, much more broadly, especially as you're pre-med or medical student and haven't quite found that niche. Uh, you don't know exactly what you're going to do. These early opportunities, like Steve mentioned, can be just that cross-cultural piece of learning how to, how to share the gospel in these situations, how to take these medical conditions and uh, turn that into a spiritual conversation uh, can be very helpful as you move through your training and continue to seek uh, where God has you and, and what he wants you to do. Uh, so with that in mind, as your medical students or pre-med students and residents looking for opportunities, before you even call some of these organizations, you need it, I would encourage you to think through a few ideas. You know, are you do you want to go alone? Do you want to go a part of a team? Uh, do you want to go to a mission hospital? Are you looking for a clinic? Are you looking for an urban setting or a rural setting? A teaching setting? Uh, university kind of hospital or a, uh, just a standard good old-fashioned mission hospital or clinic? Uh, there's geographical regions. I think some of you probably have an idea that God's calling you to certain parts of the world. So there's certain organizations and opportunities in those parts of the world where you can uh, be a little more focused and intentional. Do you speak a language? Um, do you speak French or Spanish? Obviously, I, I'm, I'm very passionate about if God has put this desire in your heart, if God has 
giving you a language, if he's giving you especially, talked to a guy yesterday about urology. You know, if God's calling you to urology, listen, he'll use it. Um, I, you know, I did pediatric ICU, so I did a lot of pediatric hearts. Well, where are you going to do pediatric hearts? Well, Samaritan's Purse has this program where they're doing pediatric heart surgery, you know, around the world. And so he'll, he'll use you. And if you're a pediatric cardiac surgeon, you can be used by the Lord in mission. So I would encourage you to, to trust the Lord. He made you. Uh, he's obviously gifted in giving you certain talents and skills and interests and follow with those. And as you look for opportunities, look for where your gifts can be used. Uh, as students, uh, your programs are going to have a lot to say about where you go. Uh, you know, is it listed on a State Department website with travel warnings, things like that? So talk with your program. Figure those things out before you get halfway down the road to go into South Sudan and then find out that your program's not going to let you go to South Sudan. Um, timing. Uh, some programs will have issues as to when you can go. Uh, so have those conversations as well uh, with them as you start exploring these opportunities. Um, and I sort of alluded to it at first, but these are expensive, certainly when you go internationally. So keep that in mind. Um, medical school is expensive. Uh, you're going to probably have quite a bit of debt. And you know, can you go get the same experience working domestically as you would be able to get internationally? Uh, but also, if you can go for four weeks, that's great. If you can stay a couple weeks longer, that airfare really doesn't change. So maximize the opportunity while you're on the ground. So go as long as you can go. The longer you're there, the more you can learn, the more you can be a help to the people that you're going to serve with. Um, so I, what I did, there's... a ton of opportunities. I invited some friends here with me to share their experiences, and then we can talk more about individual opportunities after that. But Rachel and Eric McLaughlin are both physicians now serving long-term, but they've been on this mission trajectory for a while. So I just asked them to come and give you their perspective, what they've learned through their opportunities. So come on up. And uh, they can talk to you about. Wow. They get an applause. Like, yeah, is that I'm leaving? Is that the end? <laughs> He's sitting down, let you guys talk. But no, I just asked them to share about their experience, what they've learned, and some good wisdom for you. So, um, so again, my name is Rachel, and I'm an OBGYN. And I went to medical school at Loma Linda. So if any of you guys are pre-meds looking for medical school, I would really encourage you to check out Loma Linda. It's a Seventh-day Adventist school, so it's Christian. They were really um, friendly, very open to international rotations. Um, and so I was able to go as a first-year medical student and, again, as a fourth-year medical student. So the summer in between M1 and M2 year classically is a time that people are looking for something to do. It's like your last summer vacation in a lot of ways. And I, for whatever reason, wanted to go to Southeast Asia. And uh, so kind of looked around, found a, a place to go to in Cambodia. And I think what I had in mind was totally unrealistic. 
but we've all heard the stories of like the pre-med student who goes out somewhere and does hernia repairs for a year and I'm like that's so awesome and I want to learn how to do heart surgery and, and um, the thought that I as an M1 student after my biochemistry classes could have like medical skills to offer is a little bit uh, laughable and yet I think a lot of times that's where we're at like oh wow I'm a medical student I, I can offer some medical things to this community and when I got to Cambodia there was it was like a traveling clinic it was a riverboat clinic um, and I and the whole thing was conducted in French and Khmer the Cambodian language and so I couldn't even really communicate with the doctors um, and so I spent a lot of time doing children's ministry there. Um, I was passing out medications in, the, in their little traveling pharmacy. I took some blood pressures. But I, I quickly learned that what I had to offer was not medical skills. Uh, it was more for me, like, it was, it was a good experience to learn how to live cross-culturally, to be exposed to uh, a different language, a totally different way of doing healthcare and medicine, uh, and being available, like, what needs did they have? So they had a need for somebody to do children's ministry. It was not what I wanted to do, and it wasn't what I was expecting. Uh, but I think God really used that time, those six weeks that I was there, um, learning what it's like to live for a week at a time without running water or electricity and things like that. Things that I think those were bigger lessons that God wanted to teach me than learning how to diagnose and treat a variety of tropical illnesses. Um, and so that was a really valuable experience for me. Again, when I was a fourth year, and now, like, now we're talking more like you actually need to do a rotation with some clinical value if you're going to get credit for it. And I went to Swaziland and served for two months there in a hospital, again, with national doctors. There were no American doctors there, and I think that was a valuable experience for me to see how physicians trained in other parts of the world treat medicine, treat patients, uh, view diseases. But again, the most important thing I learned, I think, was not necessarily how to sew up, get, getting experience sewing up lacerations in the ER and delivering babies. But on the weekends, I was working at an orphanage for kids whose parents had died of HIV. Um, and again, like living cross-culturally and being the only American there for a wide radius, I think the loneliness that ensued, um, the love that I felt for these kids, I think God has a lot of things he wants to teach us, and those things aren't always medicine. So I totally encourage you guys to go out as medical students uh, and as pre-meds, but really have like a wide, broad focus for what you're willing to do, like language learning, teaching English, working at an orphanage, not necessarily just medically focused things, but like all the cross-cultural pieces that come with it, and I think God is going to use those opportunities. So, uh, my name's Eric, and I'm a family medicine doctor. We live in Burundi. Uh, a couple things that I would underscore. So, my experience of student and resident rotations, when I was in my second year of medical school, I took a short team trip with our local CMDA chapter doing uh, ENT surgery. It was kind of a package thing. We brought all the anesthetists and all the nurses and everything and went down to an established hospital and uh, senior ENT attendings taught me how to tie knots. It was kind of surreal. And um, that was for like a week and a half for ENT. And then when I was a fourth year student, I went for two months to Zambia uh, with SIM uh, to McKinney Hospital. Did a number of kind of things while I was there. And then when we were both residents, we went to Bangladesh for a month with World Medical Mission uh, and worked at an established hospital there. So 
to add a couple things to what I think has been said. One, well, sort of underscoring, really, but um, team versus going alone. Uh, I think if you're interested in long-term missions, a, a short-term team experience is really utterly different than that in a lot of ways. And so um, I would just say recognize how different that is going to be from a long-term mission experience if that's what your interest is. Uh, because your dynamics are oftentimes primarily with the team that has gone down. And that has its own unique advantages, but it's not at all like going to show you a whole lot of what being a long-term medical missionary is like. Second, and Scott kind of talked about this, you know, if you're taking an airfare somewhere for one month, which may seem like a long time if you were taking a vacation, it is a very short time if you are trying to adjust to the experiences that you're having, uh, encountering, taking care of people in a very impoverished situation, a medical mission situation. And I think we have interacted with lots and lots of short-term medical visitors uh, at various levels of training or in their career. And a really, really common thing is that people have an experience for one month or less even longer than that sometimes. And they come away with this, I can't, I, I just can't do this idea. And what I would add to that is, you do not know yet whether or not you can do this. You've only been doing it for a month. Uh, and so the longer that you can have to spend, I think is, you're just ramping up during like this first month. And even in two months, I think there's a substantial difference that takes place. Uh, so as a student, I was able to go for two months. I don't think my school would let me go for longer than that. Um, I would encourage you, if you're going to do that, by the time you get over jet lag and figure out where the bathroom is and figure out what the bathroom looks like and whatever else, then you haven't really had time to answer the bigger questions which are going to matter the most to most people in the end from who I talk to, which are, especially when you're getting to be a resident and you're kind of bearing the responsibility for the student, the patients you're taking care of, and they're dying on you, and you don't feel like the skills that you have to offer are able to make these differences, and you're wondering if someone else was here, would they have been able to make this kid survive, and it didn't happen with me, and those things take time. Uh, so the more time you can give yourself, the better it is to do, and if you can't get a lot of time, recognize the limitations of what your experience is for, for what that might mean for you something longer term. And the last point I wanted to make was regarding funding, because um, it wasn't explicitly said, but lots of schools, uh, especially, and sometimes in residency as well, uh, have global health kind of funds that are available, and so I would encourage you to tap into those. In my experience, people were not particularly discriminatory regarding going to a Christian mission hospital or not. Um, those things were available for student and possibly resident rotation, so, you know, talk to global health departments within your medical school. Uh, if you're in residency, talk to your department about whether or not there's funds available to offset some of the cost of this. And there were in both cases for me, and that was a that was a big help for those things. That's great. So one other friend I invited along is uh, is Woody Rule. Woody's a speech therapist, and so I wasn't sure who was going to be here, but a lot of times we think of missions as doctors, nurses kind of thing. Uh, we have big hospitals now, these Christian mission hospitals. There's So there's a need for a lot of various staff. So Woody's been overseas, and for those of you, as you think long-term, as you need other folks, wanted Woody to share some of his perspective and uh, opportunities that he found and how he made it happen. Sure. Thank you, Scott. Uh, so, like I said, my name is Woody. I'm here with my wife, Amy. Amy is a pediatrician at Cincinnati Children's Hospital, so I don't want to exclude her. I think Scott invited me because I'm new and interesting. I want to go therapy. <laughs> so I heard there was a PT student back here somewhere, or maybe I heard that quietly. Okay, great. 
Awesome. So uh, last year, Amy and I spent a year in Kenya. We worked at Tenwick Hospital. Uh, through a long string of events, we ended uh, up in, uh, in southwest Kenya. Um, as a speech-language pathologist, uh, we have roles both in the hospital and in the community as well. Uh, in the hospital, working with, uh, with post-stroke care, working on swallowing disorders, uh, working on things in acute care-related settings. Uh, and then in the community with some local schools, as well as um, working in an outpatient clinic for people who are coming in for, for any of their rehab needs. Um, so as a speech-language pathologist in our training, what happens is that you get your master's degree, and then the year after you finish your master's and graduate, you have to do what's called a fellowship. This is not the typical medical fellowship that you might uh, see in the medical field, but it's just a time, we sort of treat it like a residency. It's a one-year supervised rotation that you're doing to get some experience before uh, you are uh, shipped out into the world. So while we were in Kenya, I was completing what was called my clinical fellowship. So I was actually supervised about 10% of the time, once a month or so, uh, from a speech-language pathologist here in the United States. She and I would actually FaceTime back and forth while we were in Kenya, and that's how she would observe some of our sessions. She would be able to provide some tips and tricks and whatnot. So I want you to see that there's some innovative ways that you can uh, get uh, mentorship and exposure to your mentors here in the States, even if they're not with you. Uh, that was the first time that a speech-language pathologist from the United States had ever been electronically supervised for their clinical fellowship. And uh, so we've set a precedent for that now, and that's starting to happen in our field. Um, so I'll just leave you just very brief. A lot of, of great, great things have been said. And then I want to give Amy a chance to talk. She had some, well, well you had some, some tips for residencies and tracks and things. So, um, but three, uh, three main ideas that I was thinking about uh, was just thinking about resources. One is to uh, think about the people that you have in your life. People are going to be your greatest asset when it comes to uh, gaining information, learning about different opportunities. So build those relationships. Build those, uh, those, those people in your life. Ask people questions. Ask people about potential opportunities. Uh, even if you don't know how your skills or your interests are going to play in, ask people about it. Say, how can I use these skills to, uh, to minister and to serve? How can that happen? So one, use your people. Uh, number two is to uh, just make a move, to just do something, whether it's a short-term opportunity or joining a team, getting exposure, getting experience, that's especially good. And, um, and also as a student, uh, trying to just uh, be present where you are. I think that's super important. As a student, you're in school, you're learning a lot of new information. It's very important to be present and to learn. This is the best thing to do right now, is to learn. Uh, one thing I wish I knew before going overseas is that I was going to be more of a learner than a teacher. So going to Kenya, I spent six months asking a lot of questions, trying to figure out the language, trying to figure out the all of the cultural nuances. So I wish I would have known that I was going to be a learner right out of the gate more than a teacher and a doer. That I might as well. And number three, uh, increase your Google skills. Okay, research. Research these opportunities. Uh, Google is a fantastic tool, especially when you have high bandwidth here in the United States. You should take advantage of it. Uh, so use your Google skills. Uh, email people. Talk to them. Again, this all wraps up into building those relationships. Ask people about their opportunities. So that's a little bit about what we're doing. We're actually in transition right now um, to...
to uh, eventually end up in Ethiopia. Uh, I've been invited to join faculty at, uh, at an Ethiopian university to help teach in their first speech-language pathology training program. Right now there's one speech therapist in Ethiopia. There are 10 in Kenya. Uh, so hopefully we'll have more within the next five to 10 years. So this is a really exciting time for rehab. Uh, for our PTOT speech, that triad, I love you guys. So if you have any uh, friends who are interested in those things, encourage them that there are some opportunities out there and that they're growing. The rehab field is really growing for medical missions. So encourage them that that is a possibility in the future. So I um, wanted to have Amy talk a little bit about like the global health tracks and sort of things. So when you're choosing a medical training program, especially residency, what opportunities there might be available with global health. I've been really blessed that I've been able to make the fact that right now Global Health is really trendy and academic work for me. So I actually got paid to go to Taiwan for a year by my academic children because I built diversity. Um, but it was a really wonderful opportunity God provided for me and I do encourage, um, you know, if there are family medicine activities that are more like mission oriented, like a lot of those places that um, we talked about, like they might actually have a residency program um, or there's some other things as well that you can over here. Andrea's from SIM. Um, I, they're just a great group. So they have a lot of opportunities for you internationally, um, really all over the world. You have a medical student opportunity for early on, first, second year, medical evangelism kind of training, going out, going out and serving. She has third and fourth year opportunities at mission hospitals from Nepal through Africa to Bolivia. Um, residency opportunities, long-term opportunities. So she's someone who's here afterwards if you want to talk to her directly. Um, so questions. What can Steve answer for you? <laughs> yeah. So there's there's not as many 
medical student opportunities, housing students, housing opportunities are smaller. So, early, there's, yeah, just because of the number of opportunities are fewer. And, and just so you can work with your program, is they're going to have requirements for you. But some of the funding things, too, are like that. So, this is your fourth year of medical school. If you're interested in going someplace in April, if you're going to your fourth year, it may be the case for whatever funding cycle is the same funding cycle for somebody who wants to go in July at the beginning of their fourth year. So the application for that or something like that may be of February of the third year because it's taking into account the three months earlier. And so it can be really early. And so it does pay to plan in advance. And the same is true for residency. Like if you're going to get meet the call schedule for one to three months, like so farther in advance, you can tell the
suggest that you contact Will Rogers who runs this conference because his real heart is the website, the medicalmissions.com website. And I know that one of the purposes of that is to 
is for there to be sort of a within the community self-review of these kinds of things, where you could connect with people who have done something with you know in another area and and just hear from them what their experiences are. I know at CCHF we're doing the same thing with our website, so that you so you can actually leave a review after you've done a rotation at one of these clinics for your you know for the next guys coming behind you to kind of read. So yeah, no, I remember you saying that about yeah. the CCHF. Well, I think they're going to do. I think they're doing the same thing with medicalmissions.com. So, yeah, but medicalmissions.com would be a good way to sort of see where people have been and yeah. who they are. Hold on one second. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, how important is it to have experience with a specific Christian organization or did one of you do a secular thing, or do you do Christian things at all? You know, I to me, there's definitely a benefit from going to a Christian organization so you can see and learn and be mentored how to share the gospel and what you're doing. Um, I'm sort of passionate about that, that you know, everybody's going to die, and so most importantly, we need to care about their soul, and so seeing that and learning how to incorporate that into your healthcare ministry, whatever it is, I think is important. But I also think it's very important that we work within the national health system. Um, So, if your school offers you an opportunity and that's the only thing you can do, take it. Go and learn. And and through that, you can see, you know, what kind of opportunities you have. Um, Probably worth recognizing that. I think that this is not like a hard and fast rule, but in general, international medicine, well, the medicine looks different too. So, like a lot of uh, a lot of secular NGOs work a lot of like national level projects, uh, some of which are very specific to a specific problem, as opposed to kind of like holistic isn't quite the right word, but like a healthcare idea that is going to take care of kind of whatever problem comes at it. We're going to be a, a malaria program or a TV program or something like that. Um, and as well, a lot of them, uh, I would say in general, way out in the boonies is where you're more likely to find uh, missionaries and mission hospitals. Uh, in the cities or in other kind of larger areas affiliated with larger universities, at least historically, it has been pretty more likely to find all and, and this is not a hard festival. There's a lot of crossover between these things. Uh, but you're, what you're doing is going to look very different if, if it sort of follows along the lines you can think about that angle as well. It's really worthwhile work to do in all the areas. Um, but, but it's not the same. Uh, you know, we had some World Bank guy medicine and we were talking to him about stuff for me and his words were, yeah, I'm not crazy to live here like you. And that's like often kind of what we get. And there is missionaries do these kind of things uh, in certain arenas that are going to look different than what we've done in other arenas. Yeah. So <clears throat> when, you do these, when you do these trips, whether they're domestic or international, you're learning more than medicine. You're learning a style of care. You're learning motivations behind. You're learning a set of values and how they're applied in medicine. And 
Um, uh, several years ago, the University of Chicago did a study about people who choose to do safety net medicine or choose to do missional medicine. And, um, and we've sort of piggybacked, and we've really been, CCHF has really been looking at this because like, we don't really care if we have a clinic someplace if we're not advancing the kingdom of God. We don't really care if we put on a good conference unless it's helping to get people onto the mission field and keep them there and thriving. So we've done a bunch of studies on this. We do a constant survey. And, and what we found, and this, these, are, these are like backed up stats, is you guys came to, if you guys come to this conference or our, the CCHF conference, either, either conference, you have about a one in four chance of actually making it onto the mission field. It's about 25% of the people that come to this conference at some point in their medical training end up doing something in missions. If you do a rotation at one of these places that we're talking about or at a Christian clinic in the United States, the number increases to 75% or more. Actually, it's closer to 80%, just under 80% of people who come to this conference and do a clinical rotation like you guys have done or one of the clinics here in the U.S., 80, almost just under 80% of those, of those folks end up as career medical missionaries. So, I don't know, there's something in there that makes a difference. So. Question? I'm, a, I'm a, 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 a retired surgeon for three years, and, and I've done a lot of short term trips internationally. Uh, and I, I've stepped out of surgery, and now I'm.
the world. Thank you.